Welcome to the Physician Pharmacist Podcast, a show designed to shed some light on a very unusual pathway into medicine. I'm your host, Nathan Gartland. I'm a licensed pharmacist and third-year medical student. I'm also the author of PharmD to MD and the owner of the Physician Pharmacist Company. As you know, this podcast primarily focuses on medical school admissions and the journey of getting in, but today we're taking a brief hiatus from medicine to talk with other non-traditional pharmacy professionals, especially ones involving business and coding, with our special guest today, Dr. Derek Borkowski. Dr. Borkowski is a licensed pharmacist, software engineer, and founder of the growing clinical healthcare platform, Pearls. Pearls is a drug summaries reference for learning and managing counseling points and offers clinical pearls on 500 plus top medications. Using his ties from working in digital health, community practice, and the pharmaceutical industry, he's on the way to creating one of the top resources in the healthcare world. To help jumpstart his entrepreneurial coding career, Derek was one of the few to be selected for the world-famous Y Combinator Winter 2022 cohort, a famous startup accelerator that was, has brought major companies to the world stage, including Airbnb, DoorDash, Dropbox, and so many more. Welcome to the show, Derek. Thank you, Nathan. Um, I really appreciate it. And my only regret is that uh, we can't be in person, so I could get you to sign my copy of uh, Farm Beat Indy. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> right here and appreciate um, all, all the work that you're doing to share the unique, unique journey that you took and, um, and and allowing me to share here. Wow, I appreciate the support. That was uh, a pleasant surprise to see you're also an, uh, an owner of the, the book, even though you're, you're on a totally different track, so I appreciate it. Um, so you obviously have a pretty interesting background in, in pharmacy, and so I kind of want to start with that. You know, what drew you into pharmacy in the first place? Yeah, so um, a little background on myself. Yeah, so I grew up in um, uh, rural Minnesota, so a town called Winona, and which is about two hours from the, the Twin Cities metro area, which is sort of the largest population area in um, Minnesota, which is where I live now. And anyway, um, growing up, my mom actually worked at a uh, community pharmacy um, that was part of a, uh, an outpatient pharmacy in a health system. And so when I would visit my mom at work, I would, you know, it would be in a community pharmacy setting and I just really loved it. And she really loved the work she did. And the pharmacists that she worked with were great to me and, you know, and teaching me about their jobs. And so really from an early age, I say um, as early as middle school, I wanted to be a pharmacist, or at least I thought I wanted to be a pharmacist. Um, but then actually truly every uh, step along the way kept reinforcing that interest. So when I went into undergrad, um, I when I was speaking with the advisor on, you know, setting up your courses for undergrad coursework, you know, at that point I, I was still, my interest was, Hey, how can we um, set up my classes to make me a competitive candidate for pharmacy school? And so after far, after undergraduate, I went to yeah, the university of Minnesota on their Duluth campus for pharmacy school. And um, I came in with, you know, because of my background, I came in with an interest in community pharmacy, which I did get the chance to practice after graduation. And, and one thing, or as I wrap up sort of my journey to pharmacy, and, and we'll talk more about what we're doing now, but I just, one of my big regrets I like to say too, is that, you know, if I had multiple lives to live, I, I wish I could be doing multiple pharmacy careers right now. I wish I could, I wish I could be a full-time community pharmacist. I wish I could be an independent owner. I'd love to be an ambulatory care pharmacist. Um, some of the non-traditional careers that uh, PharmDs are doing in industry, I think are really fascinating. You know, even someone like yourself, I, if, 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 I, if I wasn't, um, if I wouldn't, if I wasn't pretty confident like I am that I'd pass out at the sight of blood um, beyond just the vaccinations that, you know, we do, I, you know, I think what you're, the track that you're uh, on is, is incredible as well. Fantastic. So obviously you have your roots in pharmacy. Um, 
And that kind of led you down, obviously, the career path. Um, but then you've kind of taken a, a very non-traditional way of, I guess, you know, using your pharmacy background. So I guess when you were going through pharmacy school, when did you kind of start to have interest? You, you said you wanted to do community pharmacy, but did you ever think about like fellowships or anything else? Or were you always kind of, you know, focused on maybe a non-traditional coding background or things like that? Yeah, no, thanks for asking that so I can, you know, think about it for myself beyond, you know, I, I think, um, I would say sometime during my first year in pharmacy school, you know, we had a guest speaker come in who was a medical science liaison working for, a, which is a, a role at a pharmaceutical company where, you you know, a pharmacist, among other types of, of um, individuals, but they serve as an expert that collaborates with um, prescribers on best utilizing their medication. And so I thought that was really fascinating. And that was, I think, the first job I saw a pharmacist in that I really sort of drew a distinction between, you know, traditional pharmacy roles, you know, in patient care, you know, we typically think of the two big buckets of, you know, inpatient or outpatient or, you know, community or hospital, however you want to define those two pretty, the kind of the traditional pharmacist. And so it was that, it was that industry pharmacist that first drew my attention to these non-traditional roles. And yeah, I did actually want to go down sort of the medical affairs industry route. So I did an internship between my second and third years um, at a pharmaceutical company, uh, which was really fascinating. And I did think that fellowship was something I wanted to potentially apply to um, post-graduation. Um, it was around this, so around my third year is when I did get my first interest in technology, which um, a, a couple different um, experiences contributed to that. So number one was just my own personal, I, as naive as it may sound, I was reading Steve Jobs' biography one summer and just was like blown away by like, wow, this is crazy that they can start this company and make this world changing product, you know, like the iPhone. And, you know, is there any place that I can apply my, you know, pharmacy knowledge to a technology company that's going to make the next, you know, iPhone like innovation. So that had me thinking about technology. Also work, the internship I did at the, the pharmaceutical company that I, that I had my internship at was Mylan Pharmaceuticals, the um, uh, generics manufacturer who's now, um, you know, been, they have, they go by a different name now with their, with the, with the current company that they've been acquired by or partnered with. But, um, you know, there was talk of digital health in, in the pharmaceutical industry while I was there. And so that also drew my attention to things. But it was really when I came back from that internship, I happened to cross another internship at a at a small digital health startup here in Minneapolis. So it was a company called MyMeds, which is doing really exciting work in the medication adherence space. And so they made a website and a mobile app that helped patients uh, take their meds on time and, and properly. And so I as a pharmacy student, I was able to contribute there. And that um, was just an awesome startup experience. And that, so it truly had me thinking that, okay, um, you know, upon graduation, maybe I could work for a tech startup. And I was sort of angling towards that, but I did have my interest in industry still. And actually the, the one fellowship that I was most interested in, in industry got canceled the year my cycle. And so I thought that was kind of a sign that, um, you know, I guess uh, maybe fate has decided that, uh, well, I think maybe I should Try and stick, you know, try and pursue this uh, startup and technology interest, and so ultimately, that you know, as I, you know, that 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 interest right there, sort of, and, and that little pathway is what brings me up to kind of where what I ended up going with graduation. Wow! So you had this early exposure to fellowships and the industry, which then kind of somersaulted into a little bit more of a technical, technological aspect of of healthcare. And that's so ironic then, you know, you're probably looking back and you laugh and you're thinking, wow, I could have been, you know, doing a fellowship in industry and that opportunity got canceled for me. 
and here you are, uh, you know, many years later, and you're thinking like, wow, think of how different your life could have been at that particular point. So uh, I just think that's super, super interesting. Um, and additionally, so I think your pharmacy experience is pretty unique too, in the sense that you had access to a lot of these these tech companies and a lot of these apps um, that was very different from you know my uh, pharmacy education. I, I felt like I maybe I just wasn't looking in the right places, or you just kind of like fell upon these things, or you went and actually sought out things that you were interested in. So I think that's pretty cool that you were able to uh, to access some of that material. And obviously that sparked your interest in, in coding and technology and using obviously your healthcare background and kind of blending the two. So I guess what, after you graduated and you weren't going to go down a fellowship, what, what was your next step? You, you said you worked for a little bit at that time. Tell us more about that. Yeah, totally. So my, my hope, so I'd been interning, like I mentioned at this um, digital health startup, and the hope was that, you know, the hope from both sides was that I, I hoped that they'd be able to make a full-time position for me. And they also were likewise hoping to be able to grow to the point where they could bring on me as a full-time uh, contributor to the team. Um, but the, it, the timelines just didn't quite line up with, with graduation in you know, May 2018 when it was. It, but, you know, the company was making um, great progress. And so the hope was, well, oh, shoot, it's really it's unfortunate that it's not going to work out, you know, right upon graduation. But... Oh, hopefully as soon as we can, you know, we can make it work. So what I actually ended up doing was I got a full-time job at, at Walgreens um, as, as a community pharmacist. And then also I, I stayed working in my nights and weekends as an intern for, for $15 an hour for this, for this med, my meds company until, um, uh, you know, in very, very part-time until uh, um, we were going to, we, we essentially, the plan was to keep doing that until, or, you know, until something potentially could manifest. So yeah, after about six months, actually, it was great. Um, I was essentially able to switch where I, and that's where I, so, yeah, starting in 2019. So the start, you know, six months later, the start of the next year, essentially, um, I was able to go essentially full-time on the product team at MyMeds. And then re while remaining as a part-time uh, float pharmacist in the, in the float pool at Walgreens. And actually in retrospect, it was one of the best things that, that I think could have happened because in the, even in those six months full-time, just actually being, the licensed pharmacist, you know, with your name on the prescriptions going out the door and, and, and you know, and you being the one with being responsible for the patients that you see at the pharmacy, I think was a tremendous experience that, uh, you know, if I would have not had, even even though it was only six months of full-time, you know, patient care, it, it was incredibly valuable to what made me different and in, in what, what made me bring real-world experience to, you know, the product role that I was taking at a company that was now trying to help patients, you know, build an app to help patients manage their, their you know, their medications. So th that's how that, that's how my the role came about. Um, how, and, and again, I, just to reiterate, I think it is one of the best things that could have happened. And so to anyone who especially is interested in a, in a non-traditional career, one of the sort of chicken and egg problems is what makes a pharmacist unique and valuable in a non-traditional role is their pharmacotherapy knowledge, is their knowledge of how medications actually get in patients' hands and how they're supposed to be properly utilized with patients. And so practice is typically, typically practice experience is what ultimately solidifies that and makes you, you know, above and beyond. I definitely think going from patient care into non-traditional roles is, is something that, you know, if anything, you become more qualified for the more that you're in a traditional role, if, as long as you, you know, keep your eye on the ball on what sort of skills you want to develop of the non-traditional area that you want to go into. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like anyone who's in community pharmacy would definitely advocate that six months is plenty of time to get your feet wet. Um, so yeah, having that, obviously that background and that exposure to patient care and just the liability aspect, like you learn a lot and very quickly because you're, you know, you're being pressured by, you know, corporate or you're being pressured by obviously patients and obviously you want to provide excellent patient care. So those are all really, really important life lessons and experiences that can obviously lead to better outcomes when it comes to your business ventures down the road. So I, I get what you're saying. You definitely should get some exposure to that. Yeah. And one more thing I'd add to that as well is actually as pharmacists, I think we're in a really unique position. There's lots of part-time roles where you can work, you know, just a few shifts a week or a few shifts a month. That's not super co common in other professions. So for, especially, so for example, many of my peers in, in, in technology and tech startups, they're software engineers. And it's really tough to find like a, a super part-time software gig where you can then work on your, you know, work on your own startup or work on honing your skills. Shortly after graduation, a pharmacist can get themselves in a role, uh, you know, to do what I just mentioned. And um, so, I'm, you know, that's where I'll just, I'll just shout out and say, no, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to Walgreens for my time there to be able to support that. And, um, and, I'm, and we're going to actually, I'm sure we're going to talk, touch on Walgreens more as I talk about pearls as well. Absolutely. And you're, you're definitely right. Like getting all that, a pharmacy is just one of those unique fields where you can kind of customize your experience to how you see fit. And a lot of jobs are, are willing to work with you part-time. So you could be part-time at Walgreens, part-time at a long-term care, and then have, you know, moonlight at, at the hospital just to cover, you know, the night shift or something along those lines. So you have a lot of customization, which I feel like a lot of, you know, traditional jobs working in like business or something outside of healthcare don't really give you that, that luxury. So definitely um, some great experience. And so I'm curious to know too, like, so you began working at this company, MyMeds, and you were, you were learning about like the algorithms that they were using and they were obviously building their own kind of app. Is that how you personally got into the concept of coding and learning about, you know, maybe I could code something for myself? Yeah, no, or a hundred percent. So, um, and even like just entrepreneurship. So, you know, I, I certainly wasn't, you know, the, the kid who was selling candy out of their locker or anything like that. But I would say that by the time I was in pharmacy school, you know, independent pharmacy was actually something that I was really interested in. I was highly involved in the um, National Community Pharmacy Association as far as student involvement goes. So, you know, did the business plan competition and where you, you know, you make a business plan of how you would start your own independent pharmacy. So, I was thinking about some degree of pharmacy entrepreneurship early in pharmacy school, but it was that time at MyMeds that I was, um, you know, really engulfed in the the technology startup and how how you get that off the ground and how you grow and how you grow that type of business. And yeah, it was while I was there. It it never. I mentioned how I got my interest in technology, but it never dawned on me that I could actually learn how to program. I you know I it didn't even I didn't even give it a second thought. You know, I, if you want to be a software engineer, if you want to code, you know, I, my assumption was that you would have to start learning that. You know, at the latest in high school, at least a little bit, um, if not, you know, do a complete though, you know, bachelor's degree in computer science or something in order to learn how to program. But actually, yeah. So part of my my main job as the intern at MyMeds was helping keep track of a um, essentially a database or a sheet uh, on on different properties of of different medications. But I was having a great time there, and everyone was very open to talking to me and getting my suggestions on things. And so I would pretty frequently show up, you know, for once a week for my shift with, you know, these sketches in my notebook of like, 
and I'd go, I'd go bug the engineers and the product manager. I'd say, Hey, I have this really great idea that we should do for the app. Like, I know you guys are all full time and you think on the, you think about this every single day, but you know, here comes the student with his idea of the week on how we should completely change, you know, the strategy and direction of what we're doing. And so anyway, they were very accommodating of my enthusiasm, we'll call it. And actually it was the, the product manager there, uh, a gentleman named Nick, who is a you know good friend to this day and, and a mentor. And he said to me, Hey, Derek, you know, I think you should, maybe you should learn some programming. Um, there's some website development. So then you would understand what an easy suggestion is and what a hard suggestion is, you know, as you're drawing up these concepts and as you're bringing us, you know, these ideas you have. And so I, I just was like, I just kind of looked at him and was like, Oh, interesting. Like I, it didn't occur to me to actually like, what, are you serious? Like, he's like, yeah, you can like, you know, just take a basic tutorial online or start learning some, you know, some, some development. And so, you know, long story short, I did, I remember I started website development just by going on like Khanacademy.com, And I literally think I took like the fifth graders introduction to like HTML or something, but pretty instantly became obsessed with, with coding. I, I found it to be the most interesting and fun thing to do with my time. You know, building websites is very, it's in, it has tons of symmetry with like playing with Legos, which I did a ton as a kid or, or, or painting or drawing. Um, it just was sort of like, it, it felt like that same activity, which I really enjoyed. So really starting towards the middle end of my third year of pharmacy school with much of my free time, I was just making websites and learning and learning how to, you know, oh, I made it, I made a basic website. Now I want to learn how to make it look better. Now I want to learn how to make it do some new functionality. I guess propelled me or, or gave me the, uh, the desire to want to learn that next bit of programming. And so by the time I graduated my, my four, end of my fourth year of pharmacy school, I, I would consider myself probably have competent enough to have taken like an entry level software engineer job. My, my, my actual coding skills was something that was useful to like, like a product manager type of role. That, that's how I wanted to actually use it professionally if I were to have worked for another company. Um, but then I didn't, you know, I, I actually did not yet know the extent that I was going to end up programming uh, once it came to building pearls and, and what uh, the product we have today. Yeah, so definitely lots to unpack there, but it sounds like you had this initial enthusiasm for obviously coding. You were just excited about the customization capabilities of coding, and you had a mentor or someone in the industry who kind of recommended that you should explore some of the options and wanted to learn a little bit more about the background of coding, and that kind of obviously was food for thought for you, and you, you took it and ran with it. And I think it's so cool that you think it's it's just such a fun you know hobby to have that you can customize and it almost feels like it's like your own little sandbox in the sense where you can play around with a whole bunch of different like code and language and completely customize whatever you want to see or produce. Um, so I think it's such a, a cool hobby to have, and then you've taken that like interest, that outside perspective, and then learned how to utilize it and then apply it to an actual practical application, um, which I think is so great. So you obviously, you know, started to begin, you know, working and using that um, coding skill in a clinical setting, but also in a, you know, professional field. So when did you get the idea of Pearls? Um, like, did was that something that you kind of bounced off of other people at the previous company? Or was it something that you kind of had in your back pocket that you were just working on in the you know, late hours of the night? Um, yeah, totally. And so just for some really quick background for, and I know you already shared a nice introduction, um, but for the listeners, just for some really quick context. So Pearls, the product that my company builds that I you know, will primarily be talking about, you know, what's, or what I currently do with my job today, 
what it is is it's a website and it's a mobile app and it's essentially a drug drug information resource. So think LexiComp, think Micromedics, think UpToDate, think ClinFarm, think Hippocrates, think Drugs.com. You know, it's a, it's a drug reference, okay? And so that's where you know the, at least what we've done to date. And when I got started, I I'll be the first to tell you it's you know it's not a novel idea. It's you know drug references are as old as stone tablets. You know, and so how this actually got started though was. Yeah, actually, if I were to rewind, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. The, basically, the first place that I would point to when the idea for me personally uh, became manifested was actually when I was a fourth year pharmacy student on my community pharmacy APPEs. I remember I was at, it was at an independent pharmacy in northern Minnesota, and my preceptor, he sat me down you know, in this chair near the counseling window, and he said, you're going to sit here and you're going to counsel every single drug that comes through for the next five weeks. And so I was like, great. Um and, but pretty quickly realized how many counseling points I didn't know for so many drugs. And so when I would go home in the evenings of that rotation, I was like, hmm, maybe it'd be a really fun project to get better at my own coding skills to make my own, make myself my own little website where I keep track of the counseling points I'm learning, uh, you know, to, to, to really hit on in these, um, you know, these short counseling sessions that I'm doing at Community Pharmacy. Because I found during my research during the days that it just using, you know, many existing references don't cover counseling points very well, especially like, you know, the key points that you should hit in that short encounter that you that you have as a community pharmacist or that you have as a prescriber when you, you know, in, in, in the short time left after you prescribe a medication um, or, or as a, um, you know, as a nurse or any other role. So that's where I would pinpoint, I, I had this very rudimentary, you know, this website where I was starting to write down some of my counseling points on, but it actually wasn't until now, now we have to basically that got put on ice because that, that rotation came and ended and now I was on to the next rotation and, um, you know, graduation's coming up and it just, you know, it, that thing got lost in the mix of now I need to find a real job, you know, all that, you know, everything coming post-graduation. But actually, yeah, so this I, now I have to fast forward all the way to like 2019. So this is after I was in the product manager role at MyMeds and and I was still working at Walgreens, um, you know, as I mentioned in my, you know, shift, a few shifts a month. So pretty quickly at Walgreens, I learned how many drugs I still didn't know how to counsel properly on. And so it was in that time when I was full-time at, at, at MyMeds and also working these shifts at Walgreens that I started to, in in my nights and weekends around that, I was like, hey, maybe I, may, now that I'm, you know, I'm start, and I'm starting to get the entrepreneurial itch, especially from working at a startup that's um, where I'm learning a ton from the founder and from the, the, the people I'm working with and, and the interactions I'm having with our clients. And so I picked sort of Pearl. I remember actually, I actually just recently discovered that I actually bought the pearls.com domain at like the end of or around, around 2019. And so it was early 2019 that I started picking up this, again, this website that was just still just for me. Um, and anyway, um, long story short, throughout the course of 2019, started to put together a version one of Pearls. And so what, what manifested, what went, what went public in early 2020 was a, just the website version of pearls.com and what it was was essentially what i'd compare it to is a like a digital version of those top drug study cards that a lot of students will use in school to learn about key drugs and so it was kind of like a digital version of that so quick flashcards on you know but, but a website version of, of the key counseling points and the mechanism of action and brand names you know just just really basic things you should know about drugs and decided to cover it first was what you'd find on the fast mover shelf at, a, at an outpatient pharmacy I, I think that's super cool that you were taking this like idea that you had that you didn't actually act upon, you know, initially speaking, you kind of did it as a fun little hobby that you started out with. And then 
over time, you, you stepped away from it because obviously life gets in the way of a lot of things. But I think the best part is that you, you went back to it. You didn't give up on that little that notion that you had. And you sat down and you thought to yourself, like, this is a good idea. This is something that a lot of people could also benefit from. Because you think of all the drug resources that are out there right now, and there are very few of them that are very user-friendly and obviously focus on that counseling point that you specified. You know, I think of like up-to-date as something that is way kind of like information overload where there's too much in there and you have to pick it apart. And then I think of LexiComp, which is another popular resource, and that is very granular. There's a lot of information, but it's not tailored to actually educating patients. It's more so just as obviously a reference for yourself um, when you're kind of comparing drug interactions and so on. So you've kind of looked at these other options that are out there and you thought to yourself, like, I can make something way better than this. And I can, you know, like you said, you're not reinventing the wheel by any means, but kind of using something, an idea, which is a drug resource, and then compounding on it and making it better. And that's what a lot of just entrepreneurial spirit is um, in and of itself. So I think that's awesome that you've been doing that. Tell me a little bit about this Y Combinator and what that is exactly. Like, did you build the website up a little bit more or did you kind of look into this process, this accelerator program, and use that information, use basically your, your website template as a way to kind of apply to that particular program? Yeah, totally. So um, in terms of building the business, so when I started working on Pearls, as I mentioned, in my nights and weekends around my other jobs, um, I didn't have any you know, money for the business. And so part of, you know, when I was thinking about what I wanted to build was part of, you know, part of figuring that was, well, how am I going to fund this operation? Is it something that I can do fully with my own money or is it something I'm going to need to raise outside investment capital on? And sort of the ecosystem that I was in, so MyMeds was a venture capital-backed startup and also a lot of the content that I consumed on learning um, entrepreneurship in the technology side was uh, what's called building a venture-backed startup where you pitch investors your idea and they give you money to help you grow the business faster and so that's that's one way of building a business as in and that's to contrast that with what would be called bootstrapping so building a business just strictly using the money that only the money you have or somewhere in between the two would be you know taking like a bank loan out for your business which is typically only an option if you're building for the most part something you know, physical with predictable, mar you know, margin returns. So, you know, for example, opening an independent pharmacy, you know, how most independent pharmacies are started when they're funded is taking out, a, you know, getting a bank loan or, or a credit union that specializes in, you know, that type of business, so, you know, same with a restaurant, et cetera. So, but because I was building an internet business, I, it was my plan early on how I sort of, because one of the hardest parts of Pearls obviously is, you know, where's all the drug information going to come from? Because once I had the idea that I what, I what I wanted to build, you know, my goal was to cover all of the medications, you know, like the incumbent references that we've already talked about. And so the plan I had for how I was going to build this business was in 2019, I essentially built this prototype where I built what I wanted the drug pages to look like. And, and I typed in the information for just a few drugs. So I think one of the first drugs I think for sure was in there was like hydrochlorothiazide and maybe lisinopril. So I picked just two common drugs. And I built, you know, the product, but it only contained those two drug pages because obviously there's a ton of information for every single drug. So my plan was I'm going to take this product and I'm going to pitch venture capitalists, um, you know, this 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 prototype and say I w I'd like your investment money so that I can go license the drug data to be able to plug in to the interface into this interface for all of the other medications. And so when you pitch a venture capitalist, you know, typically 
you know, a good pitch involves getting some sort of traction or, you know, if you, if you want them to give you your money, you have to find some way to convince them that people really want this because, you know, right now it's just sort of an idea. So how I went about doing that, I have to give a ton of credit actually really early on to my, my now wife. So I was not very active on Instagram. I still barely know how to use it, but Pearls, we actually have a pretty big Instagram account. So, right, you know, we have like nearly 17,000 followers um, and actually it was, it, our account was started in the summer of 2019 because when I was typing out these first few drug pages, my wife said to me, she's like, you should share some like Instagram posts about the counseling points that you're plugging into these, you know, these early drug pages. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's, that sounds like a good idea. Um, then we could start like making some, like building up some hype for it, you know, before we actually launch it. So we created an Instagram account and did what I said. We, we, we shared posts of basically counseling points and little, little drug facts. And then we tried to attract, you know, pharmacy students and pharmacists and, you know, people we thought would be interested in the product. And then after a while, we, we shared on our Instagram that, hey, we have a wait list, you know, coming soon, this new cool drug reference. And so here's a wait list you can sign up for. And so I think we had, you know, we had like, I think we had a few hundred people sign up for the wait list. And so part of that was, you know, me trying to build the, the story that I was going to be pitching to these investors. And, you know, with, hey, look, we, you know, not only do I have a prototype now, but we have a wait list of people who really want this. So like, you know, this is why you should put your money behind it. The next step I took was we, we started, we opened it up for beta testing. So of those 400 people who signed up for the wait list, we emailed them all and said, hey, would you be willing to be a beta tester of our product? And so how that worked was there was only, I think I had typed out like 10 drug pages at that point. And so all these 400 people, we emailed them invites and said, if you hop on a call with me, I'll give you access to unlock it. And, um, and then you can try it out and then you can give feedback on it. And also you can pre-order it if you like what you see. So, so these people would signed up and they, um, you know, so they tested it out and you know how the product looked was it was, it looked like the full product, but you know, there was 10 drug pages. And then, you know, there was a message that said, you know, what the full product is going to be like when it launches is you know, the information that you're seeing on these current pages, but for, you know, but for more drugs essentially. And so we gave them the option to pre-order. I think the pre-order price was like $40. I, I am actually blanking right now on the number of pre-orders, but it was something that amounted to like a few hundred dollars of pre-order sales, maybe $700 actually comes to my mind. So, so that's what I then, so, so come, the fall is when I started pitching, um, or when I, when I, when I was going to investors essentially for the first time. And so, you know, that this was the, this was the, what I was selling. I was selling this vision of, you know, I'm a pharmacist who, um, you know, I'm trying to solve my, I'm building a product to try and solve the own, my own problem that I'm having, you know, getting these, this key information that I need in the community pharmacy and how I'm, you know, what I have to show you for is, so here's this product I have to show you that, and I, and here's how it solves my problem. And then further, here's also some other traction I have to show you about why this is going to be a good business. And that came down to, you know, here's my wait list of people that uh, look at all these people that are excited about it. And then also look at these people that made pre-orders. Anyway, suffice to say there was no investor interest. I still can, it's probably not one of my strongest, my strong suits, because I certainly know founders who can raise money with just a story. And that's, that's, I would say that's not me, but anyway, so why Combinator, like you mentioned, is a, it's a venture capital firm that also runs an accelerator program. So you essentially, you fill out an application telling them about your business. And if they like your business enough, they will invite you for an interview. And if you, you know, pass their interview, then they let you into their program. And so what their, and what their program entails is it's a 12 week program, kind of like a founder boot camp, And then they also get, you know, invest, you know, some money in your business. And so I applied to them that fall 2019. And actually with the traction that I had there, they did give me an interview, which only you know, a small percentage of applicate, you know, there's about 20,000 applications a cycle and a sm only a small percentage actually get an interview. 
And so they part of that is they pay for you to fly out to, this is pre-COVID, they, they paid for me to fly out to um, Mountain View, California. And I interviewed with the, one of, among other people, I interviewed with the co-founder of, or with the founder of Gmail. So, you know, this was a very, just like, again, I, so I must've been, you know, 25 or 26 at the time. And, you know, was very bright eyed about, wow, this is my living, my dream, living my, you know, Silicon Valley dream. But, you know, that for the most part, that dream lasted the better part of 36 hours. So, you know, I flew there, I had the interview and that night got the rejection email. <laughs> and, you know, in their rejection email, what they said was, you know, among other things, well, this is really cool that you're a pharmacist and you're trying to solve your own problem. You know, we like people who are trying to solve their own problem, but we, you know, for, for given the, given the business you're pitching us, you know, we'd like, we, we, we'd like to see some more traction, you know, launch your products and, and get, you know, go get some, go get some real customers, not just pre-order sales. And then, and then, you know, apply again. So I was like, okay, well, I guess that's what I maybe have to do then. And actually just getting that interview maybe falsely gave me some conviction that I wanted to go do this full time. And so, yeah, starting at the start of 2020, then when, when I mentioned the product launched, I actually did step out of my full-time roles at, 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 at my meds and at, and at Walgreens, I was still in the float pool at Walgreens and said, I'm going to go full-time on this. And so, you know, we, we launched the product in January of 2020. And I remember, I think we made like three or $400 in January. And I was like, Hmm, well, this is cool. I guess that some people paid, but this is bad news that I've uh, left my full-time salaries and that I have student loan payments and, and paying the bills, you know, but I had some money saved up and um, okay, I guess we'll see how this goes. Anyway, I remember like four months later, it's like, like April. So if, after four months of hard work, I remember we had $0 of sales that month. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is really not good. Um, and actually, so Y Combinator takes applications twice, tw twice a year. And so I, I must've been around that same time. I, I think actually right before the month of April ended, I sent in my next application because I, we did make some money in January and some money in February. So I, I applied again and said, Hey guys, remember me? Like I just interviewed with you. Well, I, I got some paying customers, you know, launched the product and we got, look, we got a couple of paying customers now. Uh, you, uh, would you interview me again? You know, we consider me again. Anyway, no, didn't even get an interview the next time. Um, and so anyway, so it's, you know, so it's April of 2020. Uh, you know, we just finished a month with zero sales. And so, I don't know, among other things, what's going through my mind though is, I know why there's not any sales. Like this isn't, this, this product is very new and, and it's very rudimentary and, and it's not, you know, this isn't, it's not done. Like this isn't, this right now would not help me at the pharmacy in the way that I, you know, dreamed and imagined. And when I, you know, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't scratch the itch yet that I have. And so I want to keep, I just want to keep working on this because I don't care if nobody else likes it right now. Clearly nobody else likes it. Nobody bought it in April, <laughs> but, I, but I'm building this for me. And so I feel I'm very grateful to my, to my now wife. We essentially made this plan that, you know, I need to find a way to pay half of our bills, either through extra shifts or through my savings or through um, making money from pearls actually. And so we, it worked out really well where we set, you know, we, make, we set a hard and fast rule about how we're going to proceed. You know, if we stay within these constraints, I, you know, I'll keep working on this. If I don't, then it doesn't make any more sense. And so anyway, by the end of 2020 is when uh, things started to kind of move forward. So we, I remember it was like, you know, later in the year, it was the first time we started making over a thousand dollars a month and like, oh my goodness, like, you know, you know, really exciting stuff. And I, I can get more into the details of how, you know, some of that came about, but long and short of what it came, you know, two lessons of what it came down to was, well, number one, by the end of 2020, I think the, pro the product started to take some semblance of the form that it's in today, which, you know, I think is a truly useful, you know, clinical resource. And, um, 
and so that's where, you know, if there's two people I'm going to be grateful to on this call, remember, you know, I already mentioned Walgreens just, you know, I'm, I, but let me just, pro, let me, let me have, Wal, let me mention Walgreens just as a proxy for the profession of pharmacy, you know, to allow me to work in that role to support myself while I was building my business. And then the other people, certainly my early users. So those people, um, you know, that bought, especially really early, um, you know, we wouldn't be here today without them. And, and even, even people who are buying now, you know, they're, you know, you, you don't need AAA if you got pearls out. Just give me a call. Um, you know, if you're on the broken down the highway, I, you know, I would, I would proverbially die for my customers. You know, we're, we're very grateful for their, for their support. Yes. So by the start of 2021, things were starting to move in the direction of, of you know, where they are now today. Yeah, that, definitely a lot of, to unpack there, but I think it's just so fascinating that you have taken a lot of this adversity and a lot of the, you know, ups and downs of obviously, you know, creating this product that you have a passion for, and then trying to show the world how important and how useful it can actually be. I think that's something that a lot of creators, you know, struggle with is manifesting that, like that vision that you have inside your head and where you want it to be, but where the product actually is at that particular time. So I think it's just great that you obviously got rejections along the way um, when it came to, you know, the Y Combinator at times, as well as the um, investors, you know, when people aren't buying your product, it hurts, especially when you're sitting there, you know, investing hundreds of hours, you quit your job for goodness sakes. So I, I definitely applaud you for that. Yeah, and I guess I should finish the Y Combinator story real quick, I apologize there. I left, I left us hanging after rejection number two. So yeah, actually that fall came around, fall 2021. So like I mentioned, we were starting to get some progress. So I applied again, of course. Uh, well, still rejection, no, you know, no interview, nope. Um, anyway, spring of 2022, so again, we're another six months gone beyond, I applied again to Y Combinator. Uh, but basically my plan at that point was I was gonna keep bootstrapping it um, you know, with my own money until, and keep just, you know, especially because already being 12 months in, you know, I'd found sort of a re repeatable process of working with colleagues to add and maintain the medication pages we were adding. So I'm like, well, at this point, we've already invested so much time in our own in-house drug information development. Maybe we'll just keep that going as opposed to trying to raise money for the pure purposes of licensing information. And so yeah, third time that we applied to Y Combinator. So um, again, they, they, they have bi biannual applications. So every spring, you can apply for the summer batch and every fall you can apply for the winter batch. So spring 2022, we're applying for the summer batch. And um, anyway, got an interview again. Oh, wow. So this is our fourth application. They want to, now they're, they're ready to interview us. Um, and so had a really, you know, exciting interview and I thought it went actually pretty well. I thought it went way better than my first interview. Got rejected again, of course. Um, and, and so anyway, over the course though of, of the summer of 2022, Excuse me, 2021. Apologize, I, I was actually off by a year there. Over the, over the over the course of the summer of 2021, so after our fourth rejection from Y Combinator, um, we, we did start to just again have just kind of more strides on the product growth. And so, come fall 2021, when and actually in, in by parts, thanks to being able to do a different accelerator that was uh, kind of related to Y Combinator, we we then so during the fifth time we applied to Y Combinator, they finally uh, accepted us. And what's funny is on on every application they say. What have you done different since last time? And you know they expect you a lot of people to have like a profound insight that you share, or that you've kind of changed your business plan because of it, or like you've changed your idea you're working on because like you've learned that the first one failed. That's why they, you know they you know whatever. Anyway, every single time in that field, I would just say you know nothing. This is the same idea. We just have more customers. Um, and so you know I guess the fifth fifth time was a charm. And so getting to go through the Y Combinator program at the start of 2022. So just this you know about, about 12 months ago right now, I was doing the program. 
and it was an incredible experience. So as I mentioned, it's a 12 week accelerator program where, you know, week one through 12, you just, you go through just, you know, they have educational sessions where they bring in founders of successful companies, both that have went through Y Combinator and, and otherwise who, you know, share advice and insights. And a lot of times it's, it's the wisdom that these other founders share. That is, it's what you can't really read on the page or you can't watch in a video because, you know, they, you know, when you get to hear kind of the, the true war stories of, of what's behind, um, uh, you know, building some of these great companies and hearing the emotion and the thought process, especially in how they looked at the early days is that, that kind of wisdom does, you know, does translate, you know, in, into, well, if anything, maybe, maybe there's a placebo effect on the confidence it gives you or just your ability to think about your own business. So anyway, it was, it was a, a great, the program still, still actually, even though the 12-week program is over, it's, it's, a, it's a broader community that continues to be, you know, very supportive of all the efforts we make today. Um, that, so, sorry, that's just to close the loop on the, the Y Combinator piece. Absolutely. I mean, you, you pretty much did the equivalent of send a letter every single day until you get a response. And it, <laughs> I mean, it worked out in your favor. And I, I applaud the uh, persistence. Um, you know, obviously, you were you're kind of making adjustments as you went along the line and trying to you know build up because you believed in your product. And I just think it's fascinating that you were able to, to kind of bring it to fruition, this, this dream that you had. So I'm curious to know, too, as you were kind of progressing through, uh, you, you mentioned co-founder. So were you working with any other people? Or, hmm. yeah. So early on, actually, I I started, I started this by myself. But then, so I, as I mentioned, the better part of the development of what's currently Pearl started in the early part of 2019. And so, luckily for me, um, a lot of my friends who I graduated pharmacy school with were in the middle of doing their residencies, and a lot of them, in, or they were eight months into practice. And so, I essentially ended up twisting the arms of some of my good friends from pharmacy school who were now you know, budding specialists in different areas, you know, ambulatory care, oncology pharmacy, inpatient pharmacy, community pharmacy, et cetera. I twisted their arms into helping me with some of the information. But how we did things was essentially I would, dra I would draft all the content and then I would uh, get them to review it, you know, for what they see in practice and, 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 and share their expertise on it. Or I would call them in advance of, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm about to start working on this topic you know, here's some questions I, you know, I read the guidelines this morning. Here's some questions I have before I start trying to summarize it. You know, what does it actually, what does this actually look like, you know, in the clinic? Do you actually do this this often or what's, you know, what, what stands out here? And so for the better part of the first part of Pearls, I would do, I would do all the content writing, but then I would work with clinical advisors to refine it and review it. And anyway, yeah, so now, but now where our team is gone, so that, that went on for, you know, the better part of the early part of Pearls. And so now, though, our team is, we have four full-time team members. Um, all, actually, all, we all actually happen to be pharmacists. So one, one of uh, my, my team members, uh, David, he's, he's also an engineer and a pharmacist. So he does, him, him and myself, and, and the vast majority of him, does the programming behind our current app and website. And then we have two other pharmacists, um, Brian and Alex, who do the vast majority of the content creation and maintenance. But then now they use our broader network of clinical experts. So they, in, in a lot of ways, they're sort of generalists like myself. Um, but then we, we rely on our contractor pool of experts, who, which, which is, contains some of my original you know, friends that I aforementioned, but also you know, um, more individuals now as well. And then we also have um, a few other pharmacists, um, Julianne and, and Thierry, I'll just to give them a shout out, um, who are part-time with us, who help review and whether it's drug content pages or charts, et cetera. So yeah, we found this really nice um, symbiosis um, with you know, our full-time team 
being able to tap sort of an expert pool of people who are in practice. And one thing I'll just share is one thing that I was super concerned about in the beginning was maintaining the content. Like this is going to be impossible. Every drug we add, how do we maintain it as, in, as we try and add new drugs? And actually, I learned that just drugs actually don't update very often in, in, in a lot of areas. So pearls, for the most part, even now, we really only cover well and deeply uh, meds related to chronic diseases, outpatient meds. And so, you know, when does, what, really the only things that change about a drug are sometimes drugs get new indications, but typically new indications only occur for drugs that are relatively newer. So old drugs don't get new FDA approved indications. Certainly there can be, you know, off-label use that's, that comes about, but indications, so those, and again, that, that doesn't change very often. The other thing that could change is maybe a new black box warning comes on the drug or, or, or a new warning, or they get removed. Sometimes that happens. But again, these things are very infrequent that these type of big changes happen to drugs. So the next thing that can happen that can change is guidelines can change. Well, for the chronic diseases, things that, we, that I said we cover most thoroughly, like asthma, COPD, hypertension, diabetes. So, so asthma, COPD, diabetes, you know, the guidelines change once a year. So as long as we're on top of when the guidelines change and we update our drug pages accordingly, you know, it's once a year that we've got to maintain guideline recommendations. Hypertension is every like eight years, <laughs> um, cholesterol. But that's where we have actually been very specific about choosing uh, therapeutic areas that, we can, that we're confident we can maintain. So one area that we do not cover right now at all is oncology, where guidelines change every few months. <laughs> and oh, absolutely. Tons of new agents that come out. And so that's something we're making plans for is how do we, how, how do we build a sustainable organization for ourselves that we can maintain that, that therapeutic area when we take that on. But that's a, that's um, anyway, that's been an interesting part of learning this operation and, and something that's one of the crucial things that we need to get right. The, the sustainability of the product that you're creating, obviously, you know, has been challenging. It sounds like to kind of figure out, but obviously once you've identified those areas that don't need as much maintenance, um, it's kind of made and streamlined the process to make it a little bit easier to, to kind of keep up with. Um, so I'm curious to know too, so you've kind of, you've had this long journey of getting to this point with lots of applications of Y Combinator. Um, you now have a, a pharmacy team where you're working with a whole bunch of other professionals who are obviously you're outsourcing information to, but also working full time with. Um, so where is Pearl's at right now? And where do you want it to be in the next 10 years? Yeah, great question. So again, I, I mentioned, you know, in 2019, 2020, I knew why the sales weren't happening because Pearl's wasn't anywhere near uh, where, where, I, where I thought it should be or where I wanted it to be for myself. And in a lot of ways, that's still that's still the case. You know, I there's lots of places I want to go. But, um, yeah, so the scope of Pearl's right now is for a little over, we're actually coming up on about 600 medications. We have monographs that essentially summarize key counseling and clinical points, so things that you should be thinking about as a prescriber or a pharmacist, for you know, coming up on 600 medications. And so that depending on what setting you work in, that's gonna cover more or less of what you see. So in, in a community pharmacy setting, is gonna cover the vast majority of, of, what you're, of what's gonna come across the patients that, that, you, that you see. Um, if you're an inpatient pharmacist or, or prescriber, right now we don't cover that area super well, but we are working to cover that. Anyway, there's really about, about 2,000 medications is about 95 to 99% of what's actually used like in, in 2023. So in a lot of ways, we are 
30% to covering, you know, that. But frankly, honestly, around a thousand medications will have us be covering about 95% of what many um, healthcare professionals will, will see or cover. So, so that's where we are on the drug page development. But actually most of our users, kind of the niche we're developing is, as I mentioned, being the quick reference for counseling points and clinical review points. So one big benefit of pearls that other references don't have so let me just let me not name names as to not get myself into any trouble, but let's just incum many incumbent drug references. Yeah, like you mentioned, like we, like we talked about, they tell you everything about the drug, but they don't tell you when to use the drug. And so one thing Pearls specializes in is telling you when to use the drug. We have these sections in our clinical, um, they're called our clinical Pearls, which these are the key things you should be thinking about before you prescribe or dispense a drug. And so what those points essentially amount to is what do guidelines say where this place in therapy of this drug is. So you can quickly use pearls to look up, hey, is this a first line, second line, third line agent? Then you can't use a lot of the incumbent references to do that type of thing. And then also the quick counseling points I mentioned. So most, the, in the toolkit of most clinicians right now, pearls is a supplement to other references that they're, that's, that's, that's typically provided to them by their employer or, or, or the university. Um, yeah, yeah, we're just, you know, in one sentence where we're ultimately going is, we want to cover all the information for all the medication. We want pearls to be a one-stop shop for what for when whether you're referencing information or whether you need your CE or your CME, whether you want to just assess yourself as you're getting ready for boards certifications. We want pearls to be sort of the one-stop shop for for medication information, pharmacotherapy information, um, for all healthcare professionals that have to deal with pharmacotherapy decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great vision right there. I, I think it's interesting, too, because it's obviously started with your pharmacy origins, but this is a, a tool that I think would be very useful in a, a lot of different clinical settings, whether you're, you know, in a different profession like nursing or obviously if you're in the medical field, I feel like just with medical education, there isn't a very strong emphasis on understanding medications at all or understanding the prescribing techniques for them or the counseling points that you come across. So I feel like this, you know, application would be something that would be very applicable to like everyone in my, my uh, obviously medical school, but medical schools across the country as well. So I think there's a lot of room to grow with this this product that you have. In my very biased opinion, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're we're getting towards the end of the interview here, um, and so I'm curious to know: Do you have any last minute advice for individuals who are? You know, following a similar pathway to you where they're sitting in community pharmacy or an inpatient pharmacy and they have this idea or this business venture or just interest outside of uh, medicine as a whole. Um, and they're kind of like scared to take that the next step or take that leap of faith like you did where you just quit your job altogether um, or, you know, took some time away. What, what advice can you offer to those individuals who are kind of nervous about that next step and where do you think they should go with it? Yeah, you know, the, the first thing I'll say is I I think that there's many ways to go about something that one's like something that someone desires. Like let's just be even specific. Like, okay, you're you're a pharmacist or you're you're another clinician and you're in a traditional role, maybe you're in a traditional or non-traditional role and you want to go start your own business, etc. First thing I'll say is there's multiple ways to do it and it's very much to each their own. So I've heard I've heard tons of bad advice over my last three years, and the and it typically is people saying that the way that they did it is the only way to do it. So, like one common thing is people say, "How, how can you? How should I learn how to code? Should I should I do a boot camp? Should I should I go back and get a degree, or should I self teach myself?" 
all three of those ways work. It just depends on what your learning style is. Um, going in, if you want to start, so if you're a pharmacist and you want to start your own business, should I quit my job completely, or should I, keep, or should I also, or should I keep moonlighting and um, spend half my time in my current job and half my time building my new venture, or should I do 10% of my time in my current job and 90% of my time in new venture? Any of those ways work. It's up, it's it's up to your own risk tolerance, your own special situation. A lot of times, especially if your business is related to healthcare, like say say there's an idea you have that you want to start. And it's probably because of something that a problem you're trying to solve for yourself in your current pharmacy role. A lot of times, having your having the ability to still be in your current pharmacy role, you know, gives you the a unique perspective or insight that that uh, makes that so that you understand the problem better than anybody else who could try and solve it. So, again, there's so my main advice is, is maybe there's not a million ways, but there's multiple ways to to do it, and it's personal preference. And so, I think it's best to learn about a lot of ways. And see which one resonates most with you, or try multiple ways. If you, if you try first, and, and maybe the easiest way to start is to try and work on your nights and weekends on this project. And if you're finding you're not making any progress on it, well, then maybe you need to find a way to detach yourself a little further from your current job. And and then maybe maybe you went too far, and now you want, and now that you know, and now you're not feeling comfortable with the risk. Well, then take a step back. You know, it's it's it's, it's personal preference. One advice I would give to myself back in my first year of pharmacy school, well, sorry, let's say my second year of pharmacy school that I didn't appreciate. So at that point, I was starting to be really interested in non-traditional careers. I didn't really study very hard. <laughs> Let me just say, <laughs> I was finding every excuse I could to get involved in student orgs or, um, which was which, which great, great experiences by the way, but I was just finding every way to procrastinate from actually studying pharmacotherapy. And I've come to learn that, again, pharmacotherapy is what makes me smart enough to start this business now. And, or, and don't, don't confuse my calling myself super smart. How I would describe myself, especially when I started Pearls, was uh, call me a 5 out of 10 pharmacist and call me a 5 out of 10 software engineer and a 5 out of 10 designer. Well, being that 5 out of 10 in those three different things is what allowed me to ultimately start the business. If I was a 10 out of 10 software engineer and a 0 out of 10 pharmacist, I wouldn't have been able to start Pearls because I wouldn't have known what to build. Uh, conversely, if I was a 10 out of 10 pharmacist and a 0 out of 10 software engineer, I also I, I would have known what I wanted to build, but I wouldn't have known how to do it. And so... The, don't underestimate the, the, I guess, the domain expertise. Again, I'm speaking to all the non-traditional junkies out there. Don't under don't underestimate the pharmacotherapy domain expertise. Um, if I could go back in time and do like a residency for pharmacy, I'd met a lot. If I if there was like three month residencies, I would have loved to do it. Um, <laughs> um, Wouldn't we yeah. all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's where you know on your APPEs you can learn a ton and, and really soak that up. And I and I, uh, I think I did a decent job of that. But I, I wish I could go back and I wish I could do another five week appy. Uh, you know, in, in, in some of the drug areas that we're in, in oncology, for example, that, you know, an area I mentioned we want to cover soon. Um, but j just the same, if you're in, a, if you, say you are a really, you know, competent clinician and you want to do something non-traditional, I would say, oh, the one, I guess the one barrier I want to address that was applicable to me, and it might be applicable to whoever's listening, but maybe it's not applicable to you, is that learning the new skills it's not too late to learn the new skills that you're deficient in in order to get started on something and so for example i mentioned the moment that i started learning coding was because uh, my friend and mentor nick uh, met, said hey why don't you just start learning some coding you can just start on, online if that didn't occur to me i was like i'm too old i mean you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm too old of a dog to learn a new trick but like if you would have said to me why don't i go get an mba i would have said sure that's that's a really normal thing to do lots of people do dual degrees or lots of pharmacists get MBAs after they get their PharmD. 
or, or get a J, get a JD or get an MD like you, Nathan, or get a um a help an MPH. That's a really normal thing. Um, how come? But how come I was u- uniquely scared of programming? I think just because it was not normal. But learning programming for me was no more complicated than learning business would be for someone who's passionate about it, or public health, or a new language, or whatever that skill you're stacking is. And so, I just my advice would be that it's it's a pseudo fear. Learn some of the vernacular of a new of a new type of skill that maybe that maybe what you feel like is what you don't have that you think is needed to get started on that new venture, whether it be a new career or a new company, whatever it is. Absolutely. So essentially to kind of summarize all that, you know, great information there, it's something where you obviously have to follow your passion. Um, don't feel like you have to dedicate hundred percent to maybe one side of things. Like you were saying hundred percent, 10 out of 10 pharmacists. If you have interest in other places, don't be ashamed to go look into those opportunities and by doing so, you'll have the, the capability and the new knowledge set to kind of blend the two professions and create some total, something totally new, uh, a hybrid, if I say, if I may say, um, between the two. So, you know, I hope that's encouraging to, to all the people listening in um, to this podcast to obviously pursue your dreams and have the courage to do it. With that said, um, we've come to the end of our interview, and uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for the support. Uh, if you have any additional questions about the medical school journey or anything about uh, Derek's journey, uh, you can check out my website at www.physicianpharmacist.com. Before we let you go, Derek, where can our listeners get in touch with you, or can you tell us more, how, or I guess, how we can find the Pearls application? Yeah, amazing. Thanks. So, so Pearls is available at um, pearls.com or in the App Store, and that's um, P-Y-R-L-S um, is our is our punny spelling of, you know, clinical pearls or pearls. So P-Y-R-L-S dot com. Um, I would love to be in touch, though, if anybody who's listening to this who, who um, feels that having a conversation or just being connected even loosely would be beneficial, please add me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm the only Derek Borkowski, comma, uh, PharmD on LinkedIn. Um, and then the other place is if, if you're on Instagram, um, please follow the Pearls Instagram account and feel free to send it a message. Um, it'll be either myself or one of my team members who responds to that. And so we, we love talking to people and meeting new people through social media. So please uh, connect with us any of those ways. Absolutely. And make sure you download his app and, and get a su- subscription. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that, Nathan. Absolutely. Oh, All right, Derek. Well, thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule as a CEO of Pearls. Um, I know you got a lot of work to do still, but um, I, I do appreciate the time. And uh, thanks for being here. Thank you. All right. Take care.